Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Rick, a lot of news uh, right now. Of course, the State Department Inspector General is doing what has been described to us as an urgent briefing, closed-door briefing, with Democratic and Republican staff of the House and the Senate, the key committees on Capitol Hill this afternoon. Uh, the president's got a press conference coming up in, in a little bit. We want to get into the back and forth between you know, Pompeo and House Democrats. It's gotten really ugly, really fast. We also had a baseball game we want to we want to mention from <laughs> last night. Uh, but first, uh, some serious news off the campaign trail. Uh, uh, Rick, you've got uh, some some news just breaking now about Bernie Sanders. Yeah, a, a, a statement from the Sanders campaign uh, that during a campaign event that uh, the senator had some chest discomfort, and they are saying that he has a blockage of an artery and two stents were inserted, and, quote, we are canceling his events and appearances until further notice and will continue to provide appropriate updates. Um, senator Sanders hospitalized in Las Vegas. ABC News has learned he was there for a, a gun violence forum. Uh, sponsored by, among others, the, the March for Our Lives kids and uh, marking this, the second anniversary since the Las Vegas shooting. Um, no, it's a, it's a sobering reminder of, uh, of a whole lot of realities in this race. Uh, we have a historically old field of candidates. We also um, have a lot of demands on these candidates. So we'll see how this shakes out, how serious it is. But pretty big news to have one of the major Democratic candidates say he is not going to be campaigning for at least a little while. Well, and also the, the words that actually jumped out at me and what you just read from their campaign was until further notice. That's right. That's not saying today, tomorrow, or a few days. We'll see. Uh, you know, I've been talking to some people close to the campaign who say this is serious, that uh, the senator's wife, Jane, is flying out to Las Vegas to, to be with him, uh, that the, the, the senator has been alert throughout, um, uh, but um, that this is, this is seen as, a, as, a, as kind of a big deal. This is not uh, just a, a little health scare. Um, he is, of course, 78 years old, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll provide updates as appropriate. But you're right. That this, is, this is more than your usual little health thing. And I have to say 78, uh, but he's also – he's actually – at least to, to in in my what I've seen, uh, and I've been out there on the I've been out there on the road with him. He does seem to be in damn good shape, and we've seen him play softball. <laughs> yeah, we have, him. we have, yeah. Um, He's a good basketball player too, and a runner, yeah. and all all those athletes. Uh, really a good athlete. So so we we uh, we we hope that's nothing serious, and and we certainly wish uh, wish Bernie and his family all the best. Um, regarding the uh, the news here in Washington, I I got to tell you the back and forth. I mean between. Uh, the leaders of the congressional committees leading this inquiry and uh, and and Secretary Pompeo has really been something else. Of course, the, the committees want to talk to uh, a handful of officials at the State Department, including a couple of former officials, and they went directly to the officials. They didn't go through, you know, the State Department channels that you would normally do if this was simply, you know, you know briefing on policy. Um, the 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 Democrats have made it clear they think that Pompeo is conflicted here, and they don't want him part of this process. Right. And Pompeo reacted angrily. He, he did, and and it's it's really uh, it, it's an, it's a telling little episode here because I, I remember these American officials. You're you're serving both the president and the American people, and your both audiences are important, and particularly in the Trump cabinet. And Pompeo did not take this this demand from Democrats lightly. Uh, he took it quite combatively and uh, and said right back that he's not going to allow anyone to be intimidated or forced into any kinds of questions. The Democrats are saying, look, we're playing this by the book. We're doing this the way you're supposed to do it. Uh, we don't know why the secretary 
secretary is so upset. But they are including in their language that any any attempt to, to try to block cooperation will be viewed itself as obstruct as, as, as an attempted obstruction of justice. So they know what they're getting into. And, and I think the members of the Trump cabinet become more important players now. And I think it's important in looking at Pompeo's response is he doesn't actually say he is going to block anybody from testifying. Mm. He doesn't outright reject the request. He takes issue with how it was done and suggests the timeline uh, that the uh, the committees are demanding, which was to bring people up this week, right. uh, was was not feasible. But it's interesting, and, and I, I and I've been trying, Rick. Uh, we, our entire team has been trying to get at this, but this ambassador Kurt Volker who was the uh, State Department's envoy to Ukraine, who resigned on Friday. This is just two days after the whistleblower complaint. We don't know why he resigned. He hasn't made public statements about that. Um, but what we do know is that he actually, even after Pompeo sent that that very you know terse and angry response, that Ambassador Volker is going to be talking, again, it's not public testimony, it's closed door, it's a deposition, it's with staff, but he is going to be talking uh, to, uh, to committee staff on uh, tomorrow. And I, I'm, int- I'm intrigued here not just by the president's men who are still serving, but the men and women who are no longer serving and that may be a little, a little more free to talk. You mentioned Ambassador Volker. We also um, have the, the U.S. ambassador to, the, to Ukraine who, who was ousted and the president speaks um, not so well of her in the conversation that's now yeah. quite famous. And, and, and suggests that she may uh, – some bad things might need to happen to her. I mean it was like uh, – I mean I don't know what he was talking about there. Right. A menacing comment there. Um, and also people like John Bolton, uh, former national security advisor who is suddenly free to talk a little more about uh, his real views on the uh, overtures to North Korea, among other things. So the president, look, we know loyalty with this president, John, as you've covered for a long time. It's, it, uh, it does not often flow both ways. He needs loyalty uh, like he never has before from the individuals we talked about. Also, Rudy Giuliani, um, the attorney general of the United States, uh, Rick Perry, who's now involved with business dealings with, with, U- with Ukraine. There's so many different tentacles here. And, you know, I know we're going to get into this conversation a little bit later with a, a key House Democrat on this issue. But I think for Democrats, Democrats at this phase, it's how do you winnow down the targets of opportunity and make this a manageable concept? Because if this impeachment goes in all of the directions that just the last eight or nine days have brought, this is a never-ending process. And I want to talk specifically about Pompeo's own actions because they've uh, come under some serious fire. Uh, First of all, we've just heard from Pompeo. He's traveling uh, in Europe. And, uh, of course, he was asked uh, the question about this phone call because we, yeah. we've reported, others have reported uh, that uh, Secretary Pompeo was actually listening in on the call. He wasn't there physically, right. but he was listening in on the call. And uh, the State Department, we had – I mean I was trying to get an answer for days out of the State Department on this and, and I got crickets and I got crickets out of the White House on this until you know, just from sources speaking on background confirmed it. But on the record still, you know, uh, yeah. nothing until today. When we heard Secretary Pompeo say this. I was on the phone call. Uh, the phone call was in the context of now, I guess I've been the Secretary of State for uh, coming on a year and a half. Um, I know precisely what the American policy is with respect to Ukraine. It's been remarkably consistent. Remarkably consistent, even though the aid was announced. And then, oh, Trevor, do me a favor, play the first sentence again of that soundbite. I was on the phone call. Again? I was on the phone call. Okay. I did that just to make sure you heard that. He said he was on the phone call. Uh, yeah, I heard that. I want to play what he said to our very own Martha Raddatz 
uh, just uh, last week on the program this week when Martha specifically asked him about that phone call. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that President Trump pressed the president of Ukraine eight times to work with Rudy Giuliani to investigate Joe Biden's son. What do you know about those conversations? So you just gave me a report about a high-seek whistleblower campaign, none of which I've seen. Okay, so he's being evasive. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that he's not telling the truth because he didn't say I wasn't on the phone call. He hadn't seen the whistleblower report, I suppose. He hadn't seen the transcript. But he kind of knew that was not a let's say this, John, charitably, that was not a fully responsive answer at that point. Remember, this is before we saw the the memorandum that purports to be a transcript uh, before we knew that the whistleblower report was going to come out at all. People wanted to know what happened in this phone call. The secretary of state. Now we knew we now we know that he knew. Uh, and he didn't. He didn't suggest anything like that. In fact, it, later on in that answer, he went on to talk about how difficult and complicated it is to declassify something like this. Uh, it, it it sure doesn't sound like he was being forthcoming in that at that moment. So, uh, you know, a couple other things, and 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 I want to I want to get to our break so we we can hear from uh, from uh, our guest. But um, you know, the, the the president has been remarkably active on this. I mean, even more so than we saw during the height of the Mueller investigation. The the sheer volume of tweets. Um, you know, I was mentioning to you, I was struck by the, uh, you know, the president retweeting profanity. Uh, you know, this is the president of the United States uh, aimed at Ed Henry, who's a mm-hmm. guy on Fox News who just asked a couple of questions. Um, certainly not an opponent of the president in any way. Um, uh, we, we, we've seen the president uh, suggest that Adam Schiff has committed treason and should be arrested. I mean, yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. And then and then you have this question of the whistleblower, uh, him or herself. So the president, obviously, uh, the, you know, the, the, the first thing he did when he was up in New York uh, last week, he he talked to that speaking, by the way, to the staff of the U.S. mission to the U.N. So this 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 is, you know, the diplomats um, when he suggested that the whistleblower or at the very least those who spoke to the whistleblower were essentially spying and then added ominously, you know, what we used to do with spies that we should. <laughs> and I checked. I think the Rosenbergs, you and I were talking about, they ended up, they ended up getting executed. Right? That was bad news. Yeah, yeah. Basically suggesting that, that U.S. intelligence officials, which would be the people talking to the whistleblower or maybe the whistleblower which should be executed. And now this thing with, with um, I, you know, and, and subsequently about the whistleblower, he has said that he wants to be able to face his whistleblower. He wants to, he thinks the whistleblower should be named public. He said in the Oval Office on Monday that the whistleblower, that he's trying to figure out more about the whistleblower. I mean, there is a Whistleblower Protection Act. The whistleblower has a right to remain anonymous. The whistleblower has protections. The whistleblower cannot be fired. I assume that means the whistleblower cannot be executed. And I think there was an important reminder from Senator Chuck Grassley, who is an author of the whistleblower statutes, just this week to say that, uh, that any effort to uh, impugn the integrity or short-circuit the process is not going to be looked on kindly. I'm not expecting that Grassley's a yes vote on impeachment, John. But I am expecting that there will be people that are made uncomfortable by the president's response to all of this. And this is another example where I, I think Republicans want to defend the president because they feel like this is not an impeachable offense. They don't want to defend his 
individual conduct, and they certainly don't want to defend what he is saying about this on, on the externals. He is complicating things for himself once again. And, and I think that on the facts as we know them right now, the president would survive this. He would be impeached. Yeah. Um, and not convicted. Scarcely yeah. any, dem- any Republicans – I don't know what a guy like Will Hurd does, but scarcely any Republicans will vote for impeachment. Right. Perhaps none. Justin Amash, remember, is no longer a Republican. There is going to be, um, you know, if there's a trial, if they go through the trial in the Senate. I, you know, I mean, on the on the facts as we know them now, I, I don't I don't see any Republicans. I mean, there's a Mitt Romney, maybe, but but you know, he's he's not going to get removed under the facts as we know them. But here's the problem: it's the way the president's reacting to this, as you suggested, it is making it hard for Republicans to defend him, and. The whistleblower is just one little indicator here because you have a guy like Chuck, Chuck Grassley who is a you know, highly respected, very conservative uh, Republican in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, he's deeply uneasy. Listen, I don't, I don't think he is alone. And I think that as we see articles of impeachment drafted, you're going to see what he has done over the last few days vis-a-vis the whistleblower. Uh, constitute part of one of the articles of impeachment. And you don't know what else he's going to do as he goes along. I'll give you one other thing. This question of Rudy Giuliani being out there. I asked a Trump administration official uh, yesterday who is involved in trying to come up with a strategy for responding to all this. In other words, an absolute defender of the president. I asked this official... um, this 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 Trump advocate, uh, Trump, you know, somebody on the team, who over there thinks that it is effective to have Rudy Giuliani on television speaking on behalf of the president? And his answer came immediate. He said, "Well, there's one person and one person only." <laughs> the audience of one, once again. Well, yeah. this is the audience and the and I mean it's yeah. yeah. And, and, and there is no – so there is – there actually right now really truly isn't still no coherent strategy. Yeah. I think, and, and look, I mean de- <laughs> Democrats who are struggling to come up with their own coherent strategy for addressing all of this are starting to hone in on that. We're going to hear uh, about that in, in just a moment. But, John, anything else helping in Washington this week? Oh, yeah. So I – you and I – actually, you were with me, right? I was there. Yes. Can we hear a little bit of the sound of this, Trevor? I mean this was – this was – it looked like game seven of the World Series. <laughs> Here's the pitch. Swing and a fly ball, center field. Come on. We were there. I mean, I mean, the Nationals actually advanced in a playoff round. And I suggest, uh, humble listeners, if you haven't already, check out the video John's posted on social media channels of John Carl celebrating as if this was Game 7 of the World <laughs> Series, when in fact they won the wild card game. They have the right to play in a five-game series against the 100-win Los Angeles Dodgers. Very happy for the Washington Nationals. It was a great night at Nats Park. But this is the beginning of the story, as there's we like even to say, been not some, the end. There's even been some debate whether or not this counts as a playoff win. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Look, it was, it was the 163rd game. They get the right to play some more. I'm thrilled for them. It was, it was a special night for but Washington But I, like, I did look a little insane, and you were next to me very calmly <laughs> clapping a little bit as if you were at the opera. Yes, okay. Look, my favorite nice. team has won 27 world championships. I know what a wild card <laughs> win is. <laughs> All right, got to take a quick break. We will be back with more of Powerhouse Politics. And we're joined now on Powerhouse Politics by Congressman Ro Khanna, Democrat from California, member of the House Oversight Committee. And Congressman, uh, appreciate you joining. Um, t- just give us the, the latest understanding that you have 
of the roadmap on impeachment? Do you have a sense of the timeline and what kind of structure um, has Speaker Pelosi outlined for you and your house, your house colleagues? Rick, it's good to be back on the podcast. The focus of the impeachment inquiry is going to be the president's phone call to Zelensky in Ukraine seeking political dirt on Vice President Biden. Uh, that in itself is an abuse of his office. He's admitted that. Uh, he's bragged about doing that. Uh, and it's uh, unconstitutional. Adam uh, Schiff is going to lead that uh, inquiry. Uh, and I expect that we will wrap it up uh, this year, uh, possibly even before Thanksgiving. Uh, we want to get it done. And then judici- the Judiciary Committee will refer the articles to the House. Uh, but I think Adam Schiff will be the uh, public face and really focus on the, the key facts on the call to Zelensky. So give me a sense then about about all the different trails this could, this could lead to, because already just in the, in the eight days or so since Speaker Pelosi announced the inquiry, you have all sorts of new revelations, new information. There's questions about uh, about oversight. Um, there's questions about uh, p- political meddling, potentially. You have this whole Rudy Giuliani Ukraine piece. How are you guys planning on keeping focus on the phone call when there's so much more out there that could potentially add to the articles? Well, there is a lot more out there, uh, and it implicates possibly Pompeo. What did he know? Why didn't he act? Is he preventing State Department officials from testifying? What was Giuliani's role? Were there other phone calls? And, of course, I'm on the Oversight Committee, and we're looking into that. But I think uh, those of us on other committees need to be uh, deferential uh, to uh, Adam Schiff. Let, let have, let's have the focus be the phone call. Uh, that is something that has broken through. We need to be comprehensive in investigating, uh, but I don't think we need, uh, you know, six committees uh, out there uh, telling all the facts of all the wrongdoing. I think we have to keep it simple. Uh, I think we need a few key spokespeople out there. Uh, Adam is really taking the lead. We're going to do our work. It may lead to more articles than just the phone call, uh, but I think the public case has to be about uh, the phone call, which is uh, – He's admitted is wrong, and everyone gets is wrong. We're already seeing a, pr- a pretty big public dust-up between uh, Congress, congressional Democrats, and the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, pushing back pretty aggressively at the notion that State Department employees are going to have to come in and testify and provide, provide testimony without lawyers present. It doesn't sound like that's going to happen this week because of how Pompeo uh, is handling this. Uh, so what, what is the, what's the remedy for that? What's the response to that? Uh, that that could potentially come if you have cabinet officials who just simply aren't playing ball? Well, uh, Pompeo lacks credibility. I mean, he obfuscated about his role on whether he was on the phone call or now. Not, now he's saying he was on the phone call, uh, and he's trying to intimidate uh, witnesses from not cooperating uh, with our committee. Uh, if, in fact, these are career officials. These aren't even political officials. They will have counsel there. Uh, they may not be able to have State Department counsel, but anyone who is deposed always has the right to uh, counsel there. So we're going to, to continue to push for having these people uh, testify. Uh, as you know, Ambassador Volker is testifying before the committee. I think it'll be interesting to see uh, what he says. Uh, and uh, we have the Inspector General from the State Department who's contacted our committee on an urgent matter. Uh, so let's see what uh, he reveals and whether uh, he, his revelations have anything to, about blocking 
uh, people in the State Department from testifying. Uh, but we're going to continue to be aggressive. And, uh, you know, Pompeo and, and cabinet officials don't have the same political or legal shield that the president does. Uh, we don't uh, we're very reluctant to prosecute presidents of the United States. Uh, the same doesn't apply to cabinet secretaries. So I think they have to be very careful. Where where do you stand on the politics of all this? Have you seen enough polling to suggest that the public is on board for this? Is it too soon to say so? And how concerned are you about the concept that if this is, goes way further than the American people are ready to go, this could have big political consequences that could actually have policy consequences as well, and that, that the president would feel emboldened to engage in, in similar behavior? I do think we've seen the support for impeachment uh, tick up in the polls. The latest polls I've seen is at least for the impeachment inquiry now, a majority of Americans support it. But a lot depends on how we conduct ourselves. I mean, if it looks like this thing is just dragging on, uh, and if it's throwing the kitchen sink at the president, uh, then I don't think that uh, inspires confidence. But if we have it uh, focused on the clear facts, which is the president abused his office by getting political dirt on the vice president, and uh, he's almost bragged about that, he thinks it was perfect, but it's an abusive office, and we can't uh, tolerate a compromise of our national security. And if we get the facts and we wrap it up before this year, uh, then I think uh, people will say the Democrats are standing up for the Constitution, they're standing up for our values, uh, and uh, we'll respect that. But I do think the way we conduct ourselves is going to matter. When you say end of the year, do you mean full vote articles of impeachment, uh, impeached president, Senate trial all before December 31st? I mean, at least the House should do our part before uh, the end of the year. I mean, I, I have no control over the Senate. But I, you know, here's what I want. After Iowa, I want the uh, presidential candidates, our top candidates, to be uh, the face of the party. I don't want House Democrats to be the, the face of the party. Uh, and they need to, our candidates, frankly, need to talk about uh, infrastructure and prescription drugs and raising wages and improving people's lives. We have a different role. Our role in the House right now is to do our constitutional duty and protect the Constitution. So I think if we can get it done before this year, we give our presidential candidates a chance to run uh, on a positive vision of what we want to do for the American people. And Congressman, this may be backing up a a step, but right now we're just at the level of an inquiry. We're not at, at articles of impeachment. We're a long way from any motion like that, even if things move quickly. Are you confident that there will be a vote on impeachment? Is that where we're headed? Is that definitely where this ends? Or is there some chance that there's an off-ramp if, the, if, if something around the investigation seems to go bust? I would be surprised if it doesn't end uh, with articles. I think the process, when it started and started with such uh, overwhelming support in the caucus and with the, many of the frontliners, the National Security Democrats coming out for an inquiry, uh, my uh, my belief is it will end with an up or down vote on uh, articles. Obviously, you know, no one can predict it for certain. Uh, and a lot is going to depend on uh, Democrats like Sherry Bustos or Democrats who won Trump districts. But so far, what I hear from my colleagues, uh, some of them, frankly, who said uh, this may cost me my seat in a Trump plus 10 district. But uh, I just can't uh, stand silent uh, while the president is compromising our national security. And so I think in uh, in the case of uh, the Ukraine call, uh, it's such egregious behavior that the caucus is pretty unified uh, that the president has to be held accountable. 
All right. Congressman Ro Khanna, Democrat from California, we know you have to run. Get back to the action uh, out in California and beyond. We appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. Thanks so much, Rick, for having me back on. All right. Thank you, Congressman. And that does it for another edition of Powerhouse Politics. Thanks to the entire team, Angie Yak, Avery Miller, Trevor Hastings. For John Carl, I'm Rick Klein. Listen to us next time.